So, hey, we're going we're gonna to have fun today, and I really want to minister to you. I want, I want to say this just as we enter this year. You know, I want to declare this over you, that this year is going to be a year of health for you. Come on, somebody, a year of health. A year that God begins to restore what's happened in the last couple years. Scripture talks about this in the book of Joel, how... Um, things come and it begins to steal and it begins to, to, to bite away and it talks about these bugs called locusts and you know even inside of that context it deals with the adversities that we face in life it deals with the enemy all those things in the last couple years a lot of things have happened to all of us whether it be sickness whether it be finances some of us have lost family members and God wants to bring health health inside health to our soul, to our emotions. God wants to bring health to our bodies. Come on, somebody. God wants this year to be a year of health for our bodies. And listen, sometimes, listen, God's waiting on us to begin to declare it out of our mouth. It is a way the kingdom of God works, okay? So sometimes, you know, you can hear it, but you got to do like Mary when it came to the woman who was going to birth Jesus. The news came and she said, be it unto me according to your word and begin to say it out of your mouth. Are you with me? Sometimes things just don't happen automatically. This year, I proclaim this over you, is a year of health. All right? Health for your finances. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we're we trying to buy a house right now. Health for your finances. The market's crazy. But you know what? God can bless us because we are from a different kingdom. All right? And God can do things, even inside of an environment that seems so weird. God says, I can put my hand on you. I can put my hand on things in your life and give you favor and do things for you and bless you in an upside-down environment and make things right for you. And then you become a testimony. Come on. You become a testimony. How in the world did you do that? Well, that, that was the Lord in my life, you know. And He can do the same thing in your life. Are you with me? So say this with me. This year is a year of health. For me and my family, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. That's good news. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. So today we want to start a series, a three-part series on uh, this word focus. How many of us need to focus more? Uh, we all need to focus more. Yeah, we all need to focus more. And, and today really what I want to try to do is try to give you some practical steps you know, as you leave today, some practical steps that can help us as we begin this year. You know, the blessing of a new year, listen to me, church, the blessing of a new year is not something that's been established by the world, all right? The blessing of a new year is established by God in the book of Genesis. He's the one that gave us seasons, all right? And because God established this from the beginning, when we transition from one year to the next, listen to me, God has specific things for you as you begin this year, all right? God wants to bless your life in a new way. It is a new season, okay? Excuse me. So God wants to bless us, and God has established this. This is a new season. So like I said a minute ago, sometimes things just don't happen automatically, and God wants to give us some keys today that can help us that begin to propel us inside of a new season where God has things ready for you. Does that sound good? So we're going to open up in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. 
It should be up on the screen, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. There's that, there's that scale again, guys. Let's lay aside every weight. Golly, man, I ate a lot at Christmas. Lay aside every weight. That's actually not what he's talking about, but lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I'm telling you, listen, this season right here, God's calling us to a place of purity because of the power of God that he wants to release inside of our life. There is something connected to the holiness of God. And listen to me, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you come into the kingdom and you accept Jesus, you don't have to try to be perfect or holy. Jesus made you that way. He already made you that way. And there's sometimes there's things inside of our life that all it does is it weighs me down. And God says, I have something really big for you. And this is going to be a season where God wants to begin to show us things because God wants to speed you up. And that's what I feel in my heart. There's a lot of different churches that will have different words that God is releasing inside of, you know, their church and even inside of the corporate church. But what I feel inside of my heart is God wants to accelerate your life. Come on, all right? I want everything accelerated in my life. I hate to go slow, period. Just ask my wife in the car. I just want everything to go fast. But look at what he says. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you. And then it goes on to say, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm going to stop there. So the word looking there, looking unto Jesus is going to be the focus for the next three weeks because that word there, that's what it means. In the original language, it means, watch this, guys, it means for me to look away from anything that would distract and for me to focus my gaze in one direction. So what's very cool about this scripture is this one with the previous chapter deals with a bunch of people that God trusted to change the world. And what happens is that when I get my focus set inside of a direction, this is the heart of God. He says, I want to do something for you. And the first thing I want to do for you is I want to clear up your focus when it comes to me. This becomes the key. Because God wants to trust us with things to change the world. And that's your deepest heart's desire. Your deepest heart's desire is not a new shiny thing. Your deepest heart's desire is to make an impact in this earth. And these two chapters together, chapter 11 and chapter 12, chapter 11 deals with all these people that God used to change their world. And the way they did that was because they were focused on Him. And inside of that, God began to show them how they were going to impact the world. And they did. And then it opens up with this chapter, and you know what he's saying? He says, hey, listen, they did. They impacted the world, but now I have trusted you with not only this generation, but I've trusted you with everything that I paid for, and I want to hone in your focus on me. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks is that there's going to be a clarity of focus when it comes to him. How do you see him? This is what Jesus asked his disciples one day. They're walking around, and he, he, he makes this statement. He says, well, who do you say that I am? Or who is everybody else saying that I am? 
Because your focus or the clarity that you have of him becomes the biggest game changer inside of your marriage, inside of your uh, parenting, inside of your job, inside of your whole world, how you see him. Are you with me? So looking unto him, so there is a focus. And inside of that, God begins to actually automatically show us the giftings, the talents, the abilities, the resources, all the things that's needed for us as a family to make the impact in the world that God's called us to. So how many of us need more focus? Huh? It's very interesting, the world that we live in, okay? Because we live in a world with a whole lot of distractions, right? Can anybody name a distraction? Huh? Can anybody name a distraction? Not, not this. I always say my phone's got a demon. I'm like, my phone has a demon because it's always bothering me. So we, we do. We, there, there's so many distractions. You know, what's interesting is technology, to be honest, technology is a blessing that actually, watch this, that operates because of the kingdom of God. You know what's interesting? If we just go back 500 years, did you know that it took a man a whole year's salary to pay for a Bible? A whole year. The very first thing that was ever created when they made the print and press was the Bible. The very first thing. And God has begun to accelerate from 500 years, accelerate an ability for us to learn. And even in the last 100 years, the way things is moving, it's moving because of the kingdom of God in the light that's in the earth. Now, we might think that it's because of a really smart person. They created an iPhone or something else. But God says this in Scripture. He says, you know what? I reign on the just and I reign on the unjust. And God releases light inside of the earth and people get ideas. And God just blesses the earth because of his kingdom and because of his plans. Are you with me? And even when it comes to something like technology, it's supposed to be a blessing because now all over the world, People can just get clued into the message of Jesus Christ everywhere. There's like a, maybe 300 million people, maybe a little bit more in America. And there's a stat that says 294 million people in America has a smartphone. It's pretty incredible. So you could just pick up a phone and at any time you could listen to a worship song. You could, you know, I got a Bible app. Check out a message. Be encouraged. Be strengthened, Right? But at the same time, something that could be a blessing could also be what? It could be a distraction. So the stats show that we spend five and a half hours on this thing a day. That's crazy. How many millennials you got in here? Raise your hand. Y'all know it's a lot higher. <laughs> it's a lot higher. Sometimes we work from our phones and it's good, etc. But there's still, there's things inside of our life that are distractions. All right. It's very interesting that the way that God has actually made us, there's a mechanism inside of your brain called the novelty bias. The novelty bias is it's what happens when you begin to look at your Instagram app. And when you begin to look at your Instagram app, what happens is that there's a, a chemical released in your brain called dopamine. And, and, and that's like when you eat chocolate or pizza. Or for me, it's caffeine. And it's released and you're like, wow, it's interesting. That happens. It's a mechanism inside of your brain. And it's very interesting. It says that when there's a screen open, if I have my phone here, that I can only focus for 40 seconds. 
Isn't that weird? Studies show that we check our phones 63 times a day. If you're up 16 hours, that means every 15 minutes I'm, I'm checking out the phone. 125 minutes a day on, excuse me, 145 minutes a day on average with social media. Like I said, th this wasn't created to be bad. But there's so many distractions inside of the earth. So many distractions. And I'm just using this one today, not to trip, but to use it as an example of when we're driving down the street. Y'all, I made this resolution last year, so, you know, me, I'm, I'm hush in the car, right? Y'all know that, right? I don't talk because my wife, we're all peace, and I don't, I don't talk. And so I'm sitting behind somebody at the red light, and they're not going. What are they doing? You know, in the red lights in Tampa, you know, they go fast, right? I mean, the green lights, they go fast, right? And then they get to go, they finally stop, and I'm sitting at the red light. But we're on the phone so much, and I'm using it as an example of the distractions that we face. And I want to pivot off that for a minute. I really want to minister to your heart about the strategy of the enemy. It's in the book of Revelations, chapter 3. It should be up on the screen. Hey, listen, the plan of the enemy in this season right here is to make you think that you don't have a dream. The plan of the enemy in this season is to keep you distracted. The plan of the enemy, though, is to try to steal your dream, to steal your purpose. There's a stat that says over 80% of the people in the church do not know their purpose. Over 80% of the people in the church don't know their purpose. I got a couple theories on that. Do y'all want to hear it? It's just a theory. One of my theories is I feel like God has spoken to us, and it scares the mess out of us, and we run. You know, like Jonah, like it didn't end well initially because, like, God told Jonah, hey, go that way, dude, and he went that way, and he got swallowed by a fish. You know, like God's going to get you where he wants to get you, right? But I think sometimes God does speak to us, and God speaks to us to release vision inside of our heart, release purpose inside of our heart that radically begins to watch this alter our focus. And sometimes we run from that. God wants to change that in this season. God wants to show you big things because God wants to, watch this, narrow your focus. Bring it all the way down to a day. How you operate inside of your single day. Are you with me? I think the other piece is the distractions. I think the enemy has distractions. Watch this. You're, you're not, your brain's not distracted. Our brains are overstimulated. That's what the studies show. It's not that your brain can't do two things at one time. You become so overstimulated that when it comes to external learning or you having an aha moment, the overstimulation begins to be a roadblock for you to have your really big ideas. Because you're really big ideas. You know, you're taking a shower. You're not really praying. And then God downloads a really big idea to you. The overstimulation is what's actually hindering that. But listen to me. The enemy knows and studies. And he wants you to be distracted. He wants you to be so caught up with the cares of life 
that God's sitting there trying to get across to us. I have greatness for you, and I want to release this inside of your life. And sometimes we miss it, and even though he's doing this inside of our life. Are you with me? Like I said, it's a theory of mine. All right? So I want to use this scripture. I just want to chat with you for a minute. I want to, I want to minister to your heart. It's out of Revelations 3. And I believe it unmasks the enemy a little bit in the teaching that Jesus has. And it says, Revelations 3, uh, we got 14 through 16. It says, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Man, that is, that's like, is that cool? That's kind of like rough, isn't it? Isn't that rough language? You can say that. You can talk to God that way. Like that, that's rough. And I believe, now, now let, me, let, me, let me explain this to you. Jesus is talking to seven churches. This is the last church. After this, there's no more. This church represents the generation that we live in right now. Do you think that maybe Jesus saw down through the corridors of time and saw how things were going to unfold and how we would be so plagued with distractions that he was actually not being harsh but setting up a firewall inside of our hearts saying the enemy is going to come against you this way because the word lukewarm, what it means is we become indifferent. I hear a message and I'm so oversensitized or I'm so distracted that the word that God's speaking to my heart, I become indifferent. That don't really apply to me, Pastor. That, that don't apply to me. Are you see what I'm saying? And it's not a matter that we're not a good person. We've allowed things to come inside of our life that's dulled down the fire that's in us. Like we are, should be the most passionate, fiery people on the planet. Jesus Christ died for me, and I get to live forever, and I want to share this with somebody. Do you see what I'm saying? And there should be an intensity that just always is coming from me. And how that begins to be waned or that fire begins to smolder distractions. keep scrolling I'm gonna keep scrolling you ever done that before you're like I'm just gonna check out this for a minute and you're like wow man 20 minutes went by scripture calls the enemy the prince of the power of the air this is not a curse this allows us to accelerate the things that we see inside of the earth, they allow us to accelerate. They're not bad. But I feel like even inside of this season, we need to take a hard look even inside of our life. Begin to make some decisions so that God can speak to our heart about who he is first. And then at the same time, begin to give you direction Passion comes from those two things. Me seeing this man face to face and me knowing the purpose that God has for me. It releases a fiery passion inside of you. A no nonsense. 
Are you with me? Does that sound weird? All right, two people. Amen. I appreciate you guys over here. I love everybody, all right? Appreciate you guys. Pastoral amen corner over here on the left. I'm going to move off this for a minute, but I, I just feel like the Lord wants to take the mask off Satan and show you what he's trying to do. Scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. All right? This is a device where he wants to keep us distracted. I think today uh, what we want to try to do is give us some practical steps that can help all of us reboot. Right? You know when your phone is just doing this and it drives you nuts because there's too much going on and you reboot the phone and the phone begins to actually speed back up? All of us in every season of our life, every season, we need to reboot. We need to clean out the cache and we begin to, if I said that correct, we need to get back our normal speed or even accelerate to a new place in the Lord. Does that sound good? You guys mad at me? Happy New Year. You're like, man, great, Howard, I'm encouraged. And like I said, today we want to cover a couple steps. And over the next two weeks, I feel like God wants us to be able to unpack and help us focus on, you know, what is your pinpoint direction? Because we said over 80% of the people don't know their direction. Well, let's figure that out. Let's figure out our purpose, right? And then even the, what I believe is the biggest key to knowing him face-to-face as well as making the greatest impact in the earth. So up on the screen, this will be your first key, and it's going to be lifestyle. And I chose to use this word for a reason because I think in Christianity we've used this word relationship. You know, I just got a personal relationship with the Lord. And I think what's happened is that we've taken that word and we've made it very religious. Well, what does that mean? You have a personal relationship with the Lord. Does that mean that we come to church? That's a great thing to do. Scripture says this in the book of Hebrews 10. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to come, be encouraged, get direction. But sometimes the the, the relationship is more, I'm going to maybe read the one-year Bible, read a chapter, and I'm going to pray for a few minutes on the way to work. All right? That, that's not a relationship. That's not. That's checking the box. In a marriage, if that happens, there's not going to be no kids. Yeah, I said that. There's not going to be no kids. There's not going to be no intimacy. You're not giving no time. You're not serving. You're not putting the other person first. Jesus Christ is alive. He's living in the word lifestyle, what I want you to see today is he wants you to become conscience. Conscience that he is alive and he's with you. That there's an awareness when I'm in my car. That there's an awareness when I'm at work. That there's an awareness when I get in an argument. And I'm quick to repent. I had to do it this week. Ask my wife. My bad. Yeah. But with an awareness of a person. You live your life differently. You live with a completely different focus. 
You're focused on him and you're focused on other people. Even inside of that, that relationship right in front of you, you don't make it about you when there is a consciousness of another person with you all the time. It's a lifestyle. We got Psalms 91 up there on the board. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You are always in the presence of God. Not when you just come to church. Not when you just pray. Not when you just do anything that's a Christian exercise. Like you're always with Him. He never leaves you. He's inside of you. And this is the mystery. Paul said, this is, the Apostle Paul said, this is the greatest mystery in all the Bible. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's in you, but he's also around you. You can talk to him. Is this okay? I want to challenge our focus. Because if I am conscious of a person with me all the time, it radically changes my focus. My, watch this. What's going on inside of my head? I don't just let any old kind of crazy thoughts in my head. Man, that dude just jet me right there. That dude just, he just pulled out in front of me. Man, I ought to. I know that sounds kind of silly. But even when you do get in an argument, you don't sit there and allow fence to rise up inside of you. Man, I can't believe what they said. Man, that dude weighed 120 pounds. You know what I could do to him? Bend him up like a pretzel. Man, you better recognize. You don't, you don't, you see what I'm saying? That's my boss. I got to keep my job. <laughs> Are y'all with me? I have a personal relationship with Jesus. How does that look? Or do we have a lifestyle that we live with a resurrected man? A resurrected man. God became a man, died, rose from the dead, radically changed us on the inside, lives inside of us, walks with us. How conscious am I of that? That redefines my focus. That reboots me. So that is a present tense reality for every single Christian. And today, if you haven't accepted the Lord, it will be a present tense reality for you today. In Jesus' name. Are you with me? So I, I feel like, and, and this is not going to be up on the screen, but when I was hanging out with the Lord and getting ready for this message, I just felt like the Lord was like, you know, we, we got to. If we're going to have a consciousness of him, you have to be so intentional with this right here. You have to begin to eat this right here. He calls the word food. Food. Did anybody eat breakfast this morning? Did anybody eat last night? Has anyone skipped three, the last three meals or a week? Like, you get seriously annoying to everybody if you do something like that. Think with me for a minute. Some of our biggest challenges and problems is because we're annoyed with ourselves. We're annoyed with our attitudes. We're annoyed with all these things because there's a lack of food. There's a lack of nourishment inside of us. Jesus said this when he was being tempted and the enemy was trying to take advantage of him. The very first thing he said was, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was tempted 
And he says, this is how you have to live. So the scripture reference, and it's not going to be up on the screen, it's Matthew 5. Go look it up today. All right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Listen to me. The ability for God to fill you, to overflow you with him, is the ability for you to go at a whole different level of speed. You can be as full of God as you want to, or you can be as empty as you want to. Are you with me? So you might say, well, how, where do I start? How much do I read? Right? Because I love to teach about how to study the Bible. But I feel like we just, you know what I mean? You don't need a specific pinpoint. I need to start here. I need to just make a decision that this is going to be my new year. I am going to spend time daily eating the word. Are you with me? I'm going to reinforce this now. I could be dull and I can hear or I can take this to heart and say starting today, not tomorrow, I'm going to spend some time reading the word. Hey, guys, I'm going to be real with you, okay? When it comes to this right here, you could have any other magazine, any other book, any other thing around you, and it could actually be enticing. You start reading this and you'll start yawning. I promise you, you will yawn. I don't know why. I have no idea. But if you begin to feed yourself and you keep feeding yourself, this will become the thing that you desire the most because God will begin to open your heart so that you can see him. There's no greater beauty. There's no greater beauty of him. And watch this. There's no greater beauty of you. That's how you see yourself, how I see him. Come on. Thank you for the amens. I'm doing better now. I'm preaching better than that now. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I love you. I promise. All right. So let's start this year with a lifestyle. Let's start this year with being conscious of Jesus with us all the time. Let's start this year with being intentional. With feasting, that's the word, feasting on the word, okay? Your next point is prayer and fasting. Don't they just sound fun? All right, I said this earlier, confession is good for the soul, okay? I hate to fast. And if my five-year-old, my three-year-old's in here, they'll tell me, Dad, you can't use the word hate. No, I hate to fast. You know, if it wasn't voluntary, I would think, like God, you know, I would think bad things about God, you know, but it's voluntary. So God doesn't make us fast. Um, if I didn't know God was good, I would think it's kind of weird, you know what I mean? But I know he's good. And um, the thing when it comes to fasting is that sometimes we thought that, you know, if you fast and God will do something for you, but that's not really the reason of fasting. Prayer and fasting, and they're coupled together. Jesus actually taught this. I just quoted a scripture to you, Matthew 5, all right? Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he puts fasting with it. It's, uh, it's like power twins. And um, what it does is it resets you. It doesn't change God's heart because God already loves you. God's for you. I can't do anything inside this earth to make God love me anymore. I can't read the Bible more, pray more, come to church more, tithe more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore. 
the purpose of the things inside of the kingdom is to bless you. And it is to bless people through you. It's so true. He's that good of a father. There's no strings attached to go to heaven. He says, all you have to do is believe that my son died for you. And there's no strings. That's pretty awesome. But when I come into the kingdom, he says, I got this incredible plan for you because you're my kid. I got this incredible plan. And then he begins to teach us things inside of the kingdom that begins to show us how to change our focus. And fasting and prayer is a very practical way to reboot ourselves, redirect our focus in one direction. Okay? So you heard this up on the news. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have resources up on our website right now. So if you've never fasted food before, we have different types of fast. Um, You can go check that out. And we even have on the website, uh, we have the the, the schedule of how we're going to handle this. And um, because we are in a theater, we won't meet here throughout the week. But we have like different areas, Wesley Chapel, New Tampa, Zephyr Hills, and Plant City. And you can just click on the icon and um, put your name in, and someone will connect with you and show you the different places that we're going to meet. What we're going to do is I'm going to go and just map it out. So next Sunday, we'll actually, we're in here and we start worship at 10. But if you would like to come and pray with us, prayer will be open in this auditorium from 830 to 930. And we're going to do that every Sunday. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays will be those areas, um, the different homes that's going to open up where you can go. And it's going to be 45 minutes. And someone will share an encouraging word with you, about five minutes. Then you'll pray and then you'll wrap it up with uh, a corporate prayer. That'll be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Saturday we'll meet here for 30 minutes at 9 o'clock. And we did this already before we launched the church. So there's something very powerful when you walk the land. And you begin to pray. All right? God told Joshua, he says, everywhere you put your foot, son, I've already given to you. Okay? So we're going to meet here for 30 minutes, and we're just believing God for um, this community. You know, God planted this church here. He put this this community on our heart. So we want to believe that those in this community, and there's so many people in this community that don't know Jesus. You know, I mean, I live in this community, and, I mean, I'm at that Panera coffee shop across the street all the time, and I can see it. Uh, Tampa is a melting pot. It really is. There's, there's so many different cultures and people, and there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. So we want to pray, and this is one of the things that God does. God begins to move through you, and God begins to bring people. He opens up their heart. He gives us ideas, different strategies, so that people can come to the Lord. And you know what else he does? He gives you a radical boldness because sometimes he's going to say, hey, you know what, Jose, I want you to talk to this person. Yeah, but this is kind of awkward in this moment. And God will give you boldness to go and open up your mouth and begin to speak. And we, we, we don't know the greatness that can happen inside of someone's heart. Eternity can change for them. So Saturday we'll meet here for 30 minutes and uh, we'll have our tent out uh, in the parking lot. Just come into the tent, and uh, we will start at 9 and close at 9.30. It will be executed just for 30 minutes. Start on time and end on time. Um, I'll share maybe five minutes, and then we'll just walk around and pray. And like I said, we're believing for the lost that don't know Jesus. We're believing for revival in this city. Huh? Revival. That means revival is when God can begin to turn everything upside down. All the things that we see that's not right, God can make it right. So th- those are the, some of the things that we're believing for. We're actually going to have, even on the website, 
We'll have things that we're praying for. And um, you can join your faith with ours as we pray and believe God that he's going to move uh, in families, in the communities, as well as in the cities. Does that sound good? So that's, that's our personal journey. But the invitation is come be a part. Come be a part in this season. Watch this. Start your year off almost as if you're given a tithe of your life and your time. Tithing's just not money. Tithing is my life. It's my time. Yeah, remember I said earlier, I said social media, they say 145 minutes a day. 145, I mean, how, much, how long is that? That's like two and a half hours a day, right? That's a tithe of the whole day. Could you imagine if you prayed that long every day? Like, I mean, y'all, y'all, that, that, that might sound crazy, but you know what? God would turn you into the most fierce giant that maybe the world has ever seen. If I tithe my day with something like prayer, 24 hours, two and a half, and tithe that, sounds crazy, but that's the way Jesus demonstrated life. All the guys around him with everything that Jesus did, everything Jesus did, okay, Walking on water, multiplying food, raising the dead, all those things. The people around him in his inner circle never asked him, how'd you raise the dead? How'd you get that leper clean? How do you pray? They noticed that all of those things that was happening was the result that he was a man of prayer. They would wake up in the morning, where's Jesus at? Where'd Jesus go? He was gone to pray. This was God in the flesh. Demonstrating. Demonstrating what life was like in the kingdom. Okay? And you know what? Hey, guys, let's not try to just casually get into it. Yeah, make bold decisions. Yeah, make bold decisions. God's going to back you up with his grace. That means his ability. That means his hand on your life. Yeah, don't worry about failing. Just be bold. Make a bold decision. Lord, I'm going to do this in these first three seasons. I mean, these first three months of the year. January through March, I'm going to do this right here, Lord. The first three weeks, January 9th through the 29th, I'm going to do this. And be bold. And God's going to put his hand on you. And you're going to begin to see, wow, this is different than I thought. Does that sound good? Sound weird? (laughs) I appreciate y'all. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Let his light shine upon you. My amen corner. I bless y'all too. I'm just playing. All right, let's go to the third point. Third point. Sabbath. This is an interesting one for me because uh, confession is good for the soul. This is one where I've kind of kicked against almost my whole tenure with the Lord. Um, I actually, I I love to work. I love to learn. I love to study. You can ask my wife. And um, the day after Christmas, we were supposed to like chill and hang and... um, Anyways, we end up not doing anything and hanging out at the house and 
I would try to like kind of lean in and begin to work a little bit or, you know, pray about things upcoming. And I just kind of felt the Lord kept doing this right here. Nope, nope, nope. And was forcing me into rest. I got so tired of watching Netflix and scrolling and there's nothing I can find on. But listen to me. There is a very powerful place of focus in rest. God created the Sabbath, and I'm not saying Saturday. God created rest, okay, for you, not for him. That's what Jesus said when he was being challenged by the religious people because they were walking through some grain fields and they were picking some, some uh, food. And uh, a lot of us get religious when we, when we read stuff out of the Bible. And Jesus actually says the Sabbath was made for man. You need a time to rest. You need a time to decompress. Okay? Rest time is creative time. Okay? Even if it's vegging out on Netflix, whatever it looks like for you. But it's paramount. It's paramount so that God can watch this. God can begin to bring his thoughts to you. God can begin to shape things inside of your heart that you might just want to hide for a season because it's so big. And then God will begin to direct you how to share that and release that. Are you with me? So you got to work that out. I don't think I quoted the scriptures in Exodus 20, verse 6. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day is a day, all right, that you choose to kind of like step away from all the monotony, the things that you have to do and create rest for you, whether it be your family. Does that sound good? So three things. God wants us to live a lifestyle where we're conscious of a person. Jesus Christ is in this room right now, and he's walking throughout these, uh, these chairs. Seriously. And this is what he does inside of a church. And he puts his hands on people, and he loves on people. He's inside of us. I don't understand that. And that's what Paul said. It's the mystery of all mysteries. But God wants us to be conscious of this person. And I feel like the way that we can do that is we begin to seriously go after the word. Prayer and fasting. Let's make some bold plans to enter into prayer and fasting in this season. And lastly, give yourself some time for you. All right? Some me time for you. Let's bow our heads for a moment, and I want to talk to everybody in the room right now. I feel like in this environment, every single one of us, we need to pray this prayer. And it's a prayer of rededication. Jesus prayed this prayer, and he says, not my will, your will be done. And what that prayer is, it's a prayer where you surrender your life. Not that you're not saved, not that you're not going to heaven, but it's a prayer where I surrender my life so that God can begin to shape my focus. And I would like us to pray that prayer first. And if you'd want to be bold and pray that with me out loud, I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud and just say this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I give you my life today afresh. My heart, my heart, 
my soul, my body, my finances, my relationships. Thank you for doing a work in me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, eternity is real. We will all live forever. And God gives us the choice where we want to live. Today can be your day where you know for sure that heaven is your home. If you're in this room and you don't know that, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to pause for a minute. If you're in this room and you don't know, if you're in this room and you felt like you've walked away from the Lord and you would like to feel His presence and walk closer with Him, raise your hand with me. So church family, pray this prayer with me. All of us together out loud. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sin and I choose you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.